Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So um, we've got a new exciting free beer offer on Footballistically Arsenal. As a loyal listener of the show, we can reward you with free beer thanks to our friends at beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and cover just £4.95 for the postage. What's more, Footballistically Arsenal listeners get two extra free beers, so that's a total of 10 free beers. And just if you're wondering who Beer 52 are, they are pioneers. They go across the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. And um, they have themes. They deliver cases with different themes, including Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland, and many more. Um, and the beauty of Beer 52 is they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in. You can leave any time, but your first box will be sent to you the next day. So just go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, um, footballistically, Arsenal customers get an extra two beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash Arsenal. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal, the first podcast of the 2020s. It's a new decade, Josh. It's a new year. Yeah. We've all we've had four matches in the last time since we're on air. Yeah. Yeah. Is it air? I don't know. Since the last podcast. Sure. Um, and you're wearing a trendy T-shirt with a little spaceman on it. I am. We can take a group photo of, uh, of us and our wonderful <laughs> yeah, guest okay. tonight, and then people will see. You're not wearing Supreme, which is such a rarity. Um, I'm not. No, is this a 2020 thing? No, no, not. So just just happened to not be wearing it today. Yeah, it's just one day off a month. Actually, the jacket is. Yeah, of course. To it be is. fair, yeah. yeah course, you are. Yeah. It, most people would look and think you're sponsored by Supreme. You're, just, <laughs> you're not. You just like them. I just like them. Yeah. Every now and then I get something vaguely free, but yeah, rarely. Anyway, more importantly, Matt Mason is back after a long absence. Welcome, Hello. Matt. Thank you. Um, journalist. Yeah. Father of two. Correct. I'm saying that Matt's um, social media account, um, Instagram... Are you just Matt Mason? Is that, is that right if I say this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just because you have the cutest pictures of your Arsenal supporting sons, I Thank think, you. on social media. 
They're like, Mason underscore. There you go. <laughs> they are like honestly, it's like just these cute kids wearing. You're forcing them to wear Arsenal. I, I mean, had, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, how I old had, are they now? Uh, three and seven, and I had to move very quickly because my wife is a Spurs fan. Oh god. And, uh, so they were indoctrinated at an early age. You've um, done a great job. Thank you. I have to and, say. Um, they, and, yes. They, they just seem firmly locked in. There, Good. No Good, they're firmly locked in. <laughs> Excellent. And we're joined by Laith, um, who is, a, a, again, also a journalist, a proper football journalist. Yeah. Arsenal-obsessed well, football journalist. Yes. What are you up to at this very moment, though? Yeah, I'm who doing you? the rounds. I'm uh, the Arsenal correspondent for Varvel at the moment, a very excellent website that um, I write on all things on the club, basically. Right. And um, Guna Fanzine TV and Guna Fanzine, basically. So. so Guna Fanzine TV, I'm saying it's a... I'm trying to put this gently... Josh, because we know Robbie of Arsenal fans. I'm saying it's like a, it's possibly a slightly less extreme and, um, what's the word, demented version of fan YouTube fan TV. I mean, you know, people get. We've just talked this in the last podcast. We're furious about Arsenal fan TV. We love Robbie and everything. He's a great guy. But they do have a lot of quiet extremist voices, don't they? I mean, demented is too strong. All right, I take back demented. A lot of quite eccentrically angry, furious people. Whereas this is a slightly, is it, you feel it's slightly more... How do you pitch it, Lee? How do you pitch Gunnar? Well, basically, we're, we're, um, Arsenal's a broad church and there's a platform for everyone. But if you have a monopoly, sometimes the same voices get heard. And we're just trying to provide a a platform for more reasoned, measured, vaguely intelligent debate about the Arsenal, basically. We do a podcast every Monday night. Um, we, We do sort of, I tap up my contacts book. We've interviewed Alan Smith, Lee Dixon... Um, obviously, being a journalist, we, we've got press box insights. I was doing a press box last night as well. Um, we have vaguely irreverent stuff as well. Um, it's just something that if what's out there at the moment isn't your cup of tea or mm. you're just not interested in it, then come to us because we're obviously part of the Gooner. We've been going 33 years now, basically, and we have to go for a long, lot longer as well. And this is the just Goon- the, the Gooner fans has been going for 33 years. Yeah, no, how, no, how no. are sales these days with the Gooner? I'm just intrigued. <laughs> in this day, in... nowhere near what they were. Well, I'm trying to build them up again. I used to buy it a lot yeah. and, and probably don't so much anymore. That's really Once interesting. Once or twice a year, maybe. I can treat this as a focus group, basically. But um, yeah. what we're looking to do is obviously ramp it up again. Some of the sales back in the day were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if people know much about the Gooner anymore. We, we're always used to be the number one voice of Arsenal fans where you'd go to get an opinion that would either underline your own, reinforce it, or you'd have some sort of debate about it. And we seem to have lost our way slightly in terms of certainly social media presence. Kevin Witch is obviously the editor at the moment, yeah. um, and he's doing a sterling job, basically. But, um, yeah, we're looking to build up our social media presence again. We've got nearly 50,000 followers it's hard, on Twitter. It? I remember the very... I think I remember the first, first buying it when it first started. Yeah. Um, yeah. I bought it quite religiously, you know, when I was like, I don't know, twenty something. Yeah, and um, I'm one nil down, two and up. I, I love one nil down. Which yeah, was brilliant, wasn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Which um, you know, Amy Lawrence started, I think, didn't she? Yeah, she wrote the Gooner up, as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I bought all of them basically. Every yeah, time a new fanzine came along, but I guess now, in a way, podcasts are and, and social media are the the printed fanzine of our time, aren't they? So yeah. it's hard to maintain that level. So you're never going to have... All printed. All, I mean, like, you know, all yeah. the magazines I work for yeah. are a steady state of decline, frankly. But um, Matt's been there. Um, <laughs> but printed media is, is, is obviously... 
at the very best in a, in a state of kind of um, stasis, isn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Boyd. I mean, I've, I've come from a newspaper background. Yeah. I, I love print. I love magazines. I love anything with the printed word, yeah. basically. And, um, yeah, you know, no one buys print anymore. I, I, I used to do sort of an unofficial intern scheme when the pa- on the papers I was on before, and we'd get all these youngsters in. I'd make them jump through hoops to get onto the paper, basically. But once they were there, I'd meet them at a the door, and my first question would be, do you buy a newspaper? And it was almost like a, a, you could see the, the, the sort of internal monologue. It's yeah. like none of them ever bought a newspaper. But they're thinking, right, I'm doing internship here. I, I can't lie and say I've bought a paper when I don't. But I can't say I don't read a paper when yeah. I'm doing work experience at a paper, basically. So the way we're looking to build up the Guna again is, is it's, if you look at the sort of vinyl um, example, yeah. it, it's, it, it slumped so massively. Everyone loves vinyl. No mm. one bought it. It's mm. getting a bit of a resurgence because it is almost a niche thing. It's a cult thing, but it's becoming more into the mainstream again. And that's what I want with the print, certainly with Guna, with the Guna yeah. basically. We want, it, we want it to be uh, something you look forward to buying again. Premium. A premium product yes. without the premium price, basically. I mean, that makes so. sense because, yeah, premium, I think, is the way to go generally, isn't it? Yeah. Media, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've yeah. got incredible writers on there as well. We've signed up Lee Dixon as a columnist. Great. Other, other sort of um, columnists that are going to be announced over the next weeks and months as well. Um, there's just really, really good writers. I'd love to have Boyd on as well. Boy, Josh trying to get there, you a gig here, boy. Huh? <laughs> trying to get you a gig. I mean, you know, I'm a busy man. We can have the chips and we'll, we'll, oh, the, the chippy thanks. on uh, Avenon Road if you want. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> do you, no. do you ever buy a fan? Did you buy a fans in? Do you know what I did? When I, when I first started going to games kind of on my own in my yeah. late teens, it was part, I felt, mm. it helped me feel part, yeah. it gave me an identity, yeah. it helped me feel yeah. part, oh, I'm a proper fan if yeah. I buy a fans And that was my route in. And then it, you know, you open them up and they entertained you. So I was the same gooner and um, one nil down, two one up. Yeah, and, and that's what I want to bring back. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, everyone, a lot of people I know did that as well. I did that. Everyone here, by the sounds of it, did it as well. And that's what I want to bring back. I want people to go to a game and go. Do you know what? I need the gooner. I need. I need the mm. match program. I need to buy a newspaper. Whatever. Yeah, we'll never get back to the heyday. But at the same time. If people are buying half and half scarf, surely they can fork out. No. <laughs> Let's not. But don't get me Let's started. Let's use that as an example. <laughs> um, anyway, more importantly, um, it's we're in we're fully in the Arteta era now. I feel like I've got a point of order to it. Is oh, this okay. the first time you and I have ever done a podcast and we're both backing the manager? <laughs> Maybe it's like if we go back to twenty thirteen <laughs> because you were so immature when uh, memory first started at the club. Yeah, even even when he was doing <laughs> this quite is well. It's an exciting day. We're both backing the yeah. manager. Let's mark that. It is exciting. On. It is exciting. I mean, I'm completely one hundred percent convert to the Arteta cause. I mean, I feel like. I mean, I was in during the press conference, after we did the press conference, frankly, and, you know, all my doubts kind of melted away. Certainly, in, in, by the time, you know, we beat Man United, everything that he seemed to be saying he was going to do in that press conference had already come true. He'd already improved every single player, as far as I can make out, by about 100%, if not more, some players more. Um, he'd al- he just just simple things like playing Torreira in the position where yeah. every Arsenal yeah. fan in the world, apart from Unai Emery, thought he should play. Um, just simple common sense stuff and just like clearing out all the bullshit and just kind of getting the team players to play in a, in a system, in a unit, with a structure, with clear directions. It's just like, oh my God, it's like a huge weight. I feel huge weight's been lifted off my shoulders. Am I going too far? Because one person, someone said to me, if you remember, to, to, to Josh's point, in the very early days of Emery, um, apart from the ones, the people who were so pro Wenger that any new manager at that point they couldn't deal with but mm. Arsenal actually played some really good games in the early days of that unbeaten period do you remember there was like we just, you know you know when when um, 
uh, Urza was still playing, Ramsey was still playing. We, we, we scored some brilliant team goals, actually, and played some really... Attra- I mean, I'm talking about a handful, you know, but it did happen. It's easy to forget that. So, whereas it could go wrong. I mean, in the first half last night against Leeds, it did go wrong. And that felt like a return, almost, in it, to the Emery days, where suddenly the team had forgotten everything that Artista told them. And seemingly they did from the first... The, 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 the half-time angry shouting, which I'm sure you heard about at the press conference yeah. as well, Leith. So, my, this monologue is for me to say, I actually think... I think he's going to be brilliant, and I think I like. I don't think it's going to be like it was in those early Emirates. I think I think all the signs are this is going to be an extraordinarily exciting period. Am yeah. I? Am I? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got to say, you make some really interesting points there. The, the first one was obviously in terms of Emery. Yeah, there were games, there were certainly results during that twenty-two match unbeaten run where they did well. If you looked at the scoreline at the five-one at Fulham. But yeah. the, the reality, I've obviously covered that game like a lot of games last season, and the reality was Arsenal didn't actually play that well. There was a lot of sort of late goals in the second half that covered mm. a multitude of scenes. It was Watford, Everton in, in sort of September, October time. You know, you had various other games as well where we were winning or, or not losing, but we weren't impressing at all. Mm. With Arteta, it's a completely different story because I, I was lucky enough to interview him for the Guna literally uh, about 2015 down at London Colney. Um, and he struck me as just someone who was a really, really deep thinker on the game. He had really strong principles, not sort of Emery's, I'm going to play from the back principles that would just crumbled into nothing. He had a real strong belief in, in how to play football. This was, a, as you remember, he was still a player at the time and he was talking like a coach, basically. And that always struck me. Um, and obviously when, when the sort of news came back that, you know, Freddie wasn't, you know, going to be long-term, basically, more to do with players than Freddie, because I love Freddie, but that's, that's by the by. Um, I, sort of, I, I watched um, the All or Nothing documentary. I don't know if you guys saw it yeah, yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. It, I, I just literally did it as a bit of research. Mm. Obviously, I'm telling people that, and I'm just watching football, basically. So yeah. It's not, not really research, but it really was. I sat down and watched every episode. And um, the way, do you remember when we lost twice to Man City mm. in the space of four days? Of course. During, during the Beast from the East. A double 3 0. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, was, that was dreadful. That was probably the worst cup final that I've seen and been at an Arsenal, yes. basically. Yeah, and I've been watching them nearly 40 years. But um, there was a really good pit in the documentary, basically. They're, they're having. Uh, you know, a meal in a restaurant in Manchester, 200 miles north. We played Chelsea in the semi-final, second leg. We obviously beat them. It was a great night at the Emirates. We all enjoyed it. The camera pans to Arteta and immediately, there was about 20 of them there, you know, Steve Round and others as well. And he just literally, you know, locks eyes with Arteta and goes, you're going to write me a dossier on Arsenal, basically. Mm. And, it, and it was like, you know, the room stopped because of the respect mm. that Arteta had. Obviously, yeah, he's an ex-Arsenal man, but at the same time, the fact Arteta... Um, Pep Guardiola was making a point of, of singling out Arteta to write their report showed how highly he thought of him basically and nothing that Arteta has done mm. since well. has changed that basically and you're right absolutely the way they played against Man United and Chelsea for long spells as well was, was so refreshing yeah because the, I guess the Chelsea obviously result was, was I feel, that was so gutting because we played so well and there was like you know a mistake by it Mustafi you know how many times have we been there but I think everyone I felt like we, everyone came away from that feeling Gutted, but really hopeful because we played pretty well for most of that game. Yeah. And then the Man U game, you know, just just everyone played really, really well. What's your feeling? Are we getting carried away or, or, or should we be back? Soon? I mean, I'm utterly seduced by Arteta now. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the great difference between Arteta's early games and Emery is there's, there's a real visible and tangible sense of what's being done and what's being changed you can see it on the pits the players are playing closer together you know they're more aggressive they're more energy the ball's being carried more this idea that you don't pass until the opponent's committed there 
there's a clear plan. He's saying the right things. You know, there's some great soundbites like uh, last night, you know, talking about relaxing. He said, but we can't relax because we're not good enough. Mm. He's, you know, he's portrayed this image that he's going in there and he's lighting a few fires. And it just completely engages with all the frustrations we've had mm. for the last five, ten years. Yeah. This culture of comfort at the club. You know, he's giving off the sense that he's really shaking that up. And the results are visible on the pitch. That's a really good point because it's not only it's not only feels like a kind of a, a, a revolution from the previous manager, but as you say, this is we've been waiting for this for ten years, really. And it's interesting listening to people like Lee Dixon. Actually, I've yeah. listening to him. Um, he's on another podcast yeah. now. I mean, who needs another fucking <laughs> other podcast? The world fair enough. Other ones are available. The athletic one. <laughs> the athletic one. Yeah, fair enough. All right, they've just got Amy Lawrence and Lee Dix. I mean, you know, that's pay fine. The, the we've bucks. got me and you, Josh. Hey, you pay the little bucks. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I was listening to him on that, and I was listening to Martin Keown, and they were making very pertinent references to the fact that this is new. The players being drilled like this mm. is, is new from the from the Wenger area and that and you know I think it's so interesting and the the hot, like the the player interviews now like Louise is extraordinary isn't it I mean that post match interview was after the Man U game yep. was such an interesting insight it was like basically it's like you know we have been let you know, we have not understood what the fuck we're supposed to do yeah. for like eighteen months it, you know for him new to the club. And it just, it's just, you think, oh my God, what a difference. It shouldn't make that much difference. Because people always say players should be able to perform, shouldn't they? It shouldn't, but actually, when it comes down to it, it's, it's all about world-class coaching, isn't it? And world-class manager, manager and, and just having the intelligence, like the emotional intelligence and the eloquence to communicate what you want the, fuck the players to do. And clearly, Emery didn't have that. And, and, you know, and, and it's, like a, it's like a miracle that we've got. There's a great feeling. I, I was going home from the M last night with uh, Benji, who occasionally comes on this... Podcast, yeah. And we were saying, it's the biggest testament of the fact that there's such positivity around the club that I sort of went there last night assuming there'd be about 10, 15,000 empty seats. I don't know why, I just got used to it, right? Mm-hmm. Cup game, well, it was on, it's on BBC, it was BBC One, One. Yeah. prime yeah. time. Yeah. I'm thinking they'll just be, because t- that's what we've now got used to over the last couple of years. And it really wasn't. I certainly downstairs, I mean, of course, Leeds had 8,500 fans. You know, it's going to feel busy. But there was a great atmosphere as well. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. it was louder. I yeah. mean, it, it, there was such positivity. And that's what Arteta's brought in a couple of games. Yeah. The enthusiasm is back. I think there probably were a lot of fans last night. And, and Benji was sort of one of them. And, and I don't think I was quite there, but I probably wouldn't have been that far off going, if that was still like Emery. Oh, Monday course. night, I don't of know. Course. Like, I think, I don't, did club level feel a bit busier than it had yeah, for definitely. other cup games? yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that no, was the atmosphere was great, and I think um, I just think everyone can see the improvement. It's not only like improvement from, from one game to the next. Look, I thought against we've got you know we don't have to talk about all the games in depth, but I thought what was interesting against Chelsea, like he got them absolutely on it, didn't he? With the yeah. high press, all the things you kind of expected him to drill into us. Yeah. Um, but I thought we got knackered after about an hour yeah. and that was so visible how tired they were and I yeah. think that's what in the end led to us losing that game as well as the individual errors but then I thought against Man U there was, it was so interesting like I thought because they, they weren't quite as on it in terms of that press as they were and they were kind of slightly more relaxed about it like they held off a little bit and there were times where they would just pass it about fairly aimlessly clearly conserving energy which you see City do as Man City do as well and I just thought he's even getting like, already getting them drilling into them improvement game upon game 
And some players, like, how is he's finally our useless defenders? Because which, what we should talk about is a lot of pundits started saying fairly recently, like Gary Neville included, I'm sure they're just not fucking good enough. And I'm sure a lot of fans felt they're not fucking good enough, especially the defenders. And we even started, to, I think we started to question, like, Torreira and our midfield, and obviously Xhaka's been a huge issue. But I feel like he could actually drill even, you know, those players that we thought were absolutely dog shit and terrible into something fairly compact and useful, and it's, that's pretty miraculous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, the, the thing with Arteta is, I mean, we obviously don't see what he's doing in private behind closed doors, but that transition from the way we pressed against Chelsea to the way we pressed against United, he just seems to be able to see everything very clearly and go, this is the adjustment I need to make, this is the tweak I need to make, get it exactly right, transmit that to the players and get them to understand it. Yeah. And I thought last night was a big test because... You know, they go in at half-time and think, I've seen this before. You know, I've, I've seen this sort of ennui and, you know, this lethargy and they're not really up for it. It's a cold Monday night. Leeds are really up for it. They could get swallowed up by this. And it's a big test for Arteta. Right? This is where you need, really need to crack into the mentality. And he did. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I thought, actually, Leeds were phenomenal, weren't they? Yeah, first off. They were... Like, unbel- and I think and it was interesting. He was he was saying. I told them. I told the players what it would be like, and they and they and they, and they seemed to understand it. And then when they actually went out in the second in the first half, they just didn't follow any of his instructions. But I felt almost like, well, actually, these were so good and so it was like it was like there was an extra player on the pitch. As Gary, I think Gary Lineker said. Yeah. When I watched it back afterwards. And yeah, he saw it at our half time. Almost like as soon as we arrived in the second half, we just a slight, well, quite a big adjustment of playing like further forward, the, the, you know, kind of not letting them press from the, from, um, and kind of not attacking down the flanks. So it just seemed to sort it out in about 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was in the press box last night and I was in a post match press conference as well. And Arteta was obviously asked about the change in the second half. And he almost looked sheepish in admitting that he'd given him a rollicking, basically. And he didn't even want to sort of say that he'd shouted. He basically said, you know, if the standards aren't met, then, you know, there will be consequences, basically. That, that to me, was absolutely wonderful because he's not turning up as a sort of sergeant major like a talk about Arsenal's past, like a Bruce Reel or something like that. He wants them to buy into what he's doing. But if they don't buy into him, they're off, basically. But at the same time, he's not going to set him up with some sort of, you know, sergeant major who's just going to drill him into, you know, being fearful. But that's exactly what they are going to do. Whether it's, you know, whatever motivation they use, whatever methods Arteta uses, basically, that's what they're going to do. Because if they're not going to do that, they're not going to be at the club. Mm. Um, Just to go back to a couple of other points as well, really ironic that, um, you know, the empty seats last night were in the Leeds end. Leeds asked for 8,000 seats. They they could have sold 9,000. You know, lauded for wonderful support and they were good. But at the same time, the only empty seats were at the Emirates. It was quite a late kick-off, to be fair, wasn't it, on a a Monday night? They spent four days drinking in the new year, so I'm sure they would have... Let me quickly say that one of my... uh, Oldest friends from university, Martin Hardwick, who's a Leeds fan, lifelong Leeds fan, was there last night um, uh, with our friend Wendy. It was like a these are people, students, people I've known since my student days yeah. university since like the, the mid eighties, and um, I think he'd be at pains to point out the Leeds fans were incredible voice. Yeah, I mean, they they were they were yeah, even yeah. though they were only eight thousand yeah. rather than nine thousand, yeah. um, they were still an incredible voice. And they, and I was incre- I mean they were unbelievably good in that first half. Just just to reiterate that point, wasn't it? Was the second half was it? Did they tire? Because um, I, 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 a lot of people were saying they tired at the end of last season, generally. And some of the pundits last night were saying, who was the, the, the commentator on BBC One? Um, uh, Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy, who was hilariously <laughs> offended by Jack and not being booked. I watched that I back. That, that was so funny. Game, was that like, was brilliant. Um, 
but Danny Murphy was saying that um, you know oh, they're going to they they tire every game. But my friend, but m- my friend Martin said that's not necessarily the case. They do tire, and I think it was just us, us suddenly imposing ourselves on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, rather than getting tired, they almost didn't have the chance to to react because we, we he just sorted it out so quick. Gwen Doozy, like the transformation of Gwen Doozy in the first half, I thought he was just like has has it how he has been all season, yeah. running around like a maniac, kind of flying in when you don't need to fly in not really controlling it and yet the second half he would just calm down and it seems to just contr- be much more in control you know much more like Torreira had been in the last few games yeah. stuff like that it's, it's just yeah. I mean I, I tweeted at half time basically you could t- I, I took two things from that first half performance one that Leeds deservedly be, deserve to be back in, in the Premier League and they will be next season yeah. and two was the fact that Arsenal were far more durable they didn't play well at all Leeds completely overwhelmed them in, in terms of their pressing the high press the way they moved the ball the way they were more compact Arsenal started on yeah. the back foot it wasn't as much because they played badly, it was because Leeds played really well. Yeah. And at yeah. half-time, Arteta obviously changed things around, just demanded what he demanded of them, and Arsenal came out second half and showed that they were absolutely fantastic. Just a point on Bielsa, he, he was in the press conference afterwards as well. Mm. I, I really like him, or I like the idea of Bielsa. Yeah. Um, he obviously did really well at Chile, sort of, you know, laid the foundations for two Copa Americas. Um, you know, he's obviously done well at uh, Marseille and, um, and Lille as well, but he, he was uh, um, Argentina in 2002. And I actually remember having a conversation with a Mexican guy, I went to the World Cup in Japan in 2002 for the whole um, Fossil River England game over there. I remember having a conversation about how well he did for Club America, which is a Mexican side in Mexico City, in 1996. So he's been around a very long time. But I've got to say, when he came out for his press conference, he was very underwhelming. He's, he, in was, Just in terms of the fact that I was expecting this. It was the first time I've been he, in a press. He doesn't speak English, does he? No, so I mean, that, that's, that, right. that should make a difference, you know. And obviously Emery sure. spoke English, but yeah. not very well, and there yeah. was no charisma there. But I was expecting this real sort of firebrand, this really... I always liked it to, um, I don't know if you remember the sort of ready break adverts when you get the massive <laughs> yes. glow round your Klopp's got it I've been impressed with him Guardiola's got it life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's reference yeah. Yeah. Um, Marino's got it he's a sort of bad cop but he's got it as yeah. well anyone with charisma has got that sort of glow and I was expecting Bielsa to come in and you know just suck the sort of charisma you know, right. suck everyone's interest because he's so charismatic and he had this translator there and I don't know whether it was just the, the, the way they did it but he was basically cutting him off mid-sentence mm. And, and, and translated it in a really dry way. But Bielsa's tone was really, really dull. And I, I was just like, well, you know, I, I expected far more from the man himself. Obviously, he's yeah. a manager, absolutely fantastic, and he's done so well at Leeds. But I don't know whether that, that sort of, you know, just, just lack of articulacy in terms mm. of his presence yeah. affected Leeds in the second half. Mm. I don't know what he said at half-time just to go, come on, lads, we can beat these yeah. So, yeah. Leith, have you watched the Leeds documentary? No, I do need to watch that, to be fair. There you go. You, well, was he really... Um... You're, you're obviously, uh, you know, the, an Amazon, you know, football yeah. driver because you, you've gone for the City documentary. <laughs> yeah. You're all about the glory. Yeah, absolutely. Next yeah. year, we're going to get, next year, gonna get what, the Spurs. What did they call, what did they call <laughs> All or Nothing? Oh, oh, I don't know what Leeds was called. But All or Nothing is... Take us home. It's like a series, isn't it? Yeah, All or Nothing is... about last year's attempt to get to the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, the Spurs one's going to be nothing or nothing, yeah. You had any insight into, into what they're doing for it? For the Spurs? I mean, they've got cameras everywhere. Yeah, they just had... Well, I mean, there was a rumour that um, that one of the reasons why Poch left because he didn't want the documentary to be made and that um, thing he insisted on. I don't know if you heard that. Daniel Levy. Because Levy, Levy, Levy saw it as a big, you know, let's make this a global yeah, brand money, bullshit, all that stuff. Yeah. And thought, you know... And if, to be fair, Amazon Prime is a glo- obviously a huge global phenomenon. So, But apparently Poch wasn't happy with it. Which seems fair enough. I can't imagine, you know, many managers are that happy with being yeah. able to... Have, and yet, yeah, I think Pep... Because I watched the City one as well, and it was it was fantastic. Yeah. And I felt like Pep's so confident and so 
aware of his own brilliance in a yeah, way. That yeah. He's like, I didn't give a shit about the fact that the cameras were, were there. Yeah. It was almost like, I, you know, like it was, it was just didn't matter to him. Yeah. But yeah. I think for everyone else, like most other clubs, I think it, it, clearly it's going to be an issue for Spurs when they, if they're. I'm particularly looking forward to that 7 2 episode. So yeah, that is going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about all the many Oscar games we've had in recent days and um, we'll talk about transfer window open now. If we're going to buy anyone, etc. after this quick break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. And we're back from the break. Um, that's, I mean, I feel like, in a way, like about a, two weeks ago, before this all the, the, the Arteta revolution began, um, that I felt like we desperately needed players to sign players, particularly like a defender, a midfielder. You know, we've lost Callum Chambers. Mm. Um, Holding came back last night, looked very rusty, didn't he? Yeah. To be fair to him, I mean, understandable. First game back for a long time. Yeah. Do we think how? Do we think we need to buy? players urgently or is it slightly less urgent considering what he's done already with this squad I mean it's quite interesting that one of Emery's last games I found myself thinking, I'm a huge Torreira fan but I found yeah. myself thinking maybe Stephen Inzonzi was the answer after all <laughs> right and you know once once my doubts have crept in with Torreira that just shows you how the opinion for me how low the opinion of the squad was but Arteta's playing people in their favoured position. He's asking them to do things that they can do. He's yeah. not asking them to do things that they struggle with. And it gives us, it gives us a basis. We certainly still need a, a left-footed centre-back. Yeah. Um, and my big worry with Arteta in this intensity is that, you know, um, Louise said it in the interview, he said, we're not fit enough yeah. to execute yeah. this philosophy at the yeah. moment. They're going to have a crash course in intensity and yeah. fitness are they going to pay for this in the spring with injuries and tired legs? Mm-hmm. And at that point, are we going to re- remember just how thin this squad is? Because yeah. it's, it's a good point. Because already, you know, rotating a little bit last night, and, and that was a pretty full-strength team, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, you know, apart from Aubameyang being unwell or whatever, um, uh, deserved a little break. I mean, that's fine. Um, it felt like already, like, the one or two positions, I mean, obviously playing Socrates as a, as a fullback was was interesting. I mean, just about pulled it off, in, particularly in the second half. But it is already, when you're not picking your best 11 players, I think, you already feel like it could be, there could be games where we, I don't know, not fall apart necessarily, but where we do get beaten. You know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be times where we think, oh, yeah, we really do need reinforcing, don't we? So do you, is, what's the word? Do you think, like, we are going to... Because the other club acknowledge the fact that we do need... Um, to buy players, and do you think they're going to give him the money to do that? I think if if a player became available that was not going to break the bank, then they would sign him. But they've been saying that every window for a long time, basically. Just to talk about David Luiz for a sec, um, 
Yeah, obviously, we all saw that BT interview. I was going to say a second ago, actually, when he was saying, oh, yeah, we're not fit enough, you know, Emery did it. He completely threw Emery under a bus there. I'm not a fan of David Luiz in any way, shape or form. Ironically, the best thing Emery did with David Luiz was play him as defensive midfielder in his last game. Well, it would have yeah. been interesting to see what he'd have done long term yeah. if he'd have carried on, because that's why I think David Luiz's best position is. Do you but then honesty? But, but is it honesty or is it disingenuous? Because basically he's saying, oh, we won't fit enough. Well, you're, you're a World Cup winner. You're a 32-year-old experienced player who's won the Champions League. Why not say to the boss, and supposedly there's five captains, why not say, I want to do a second training session this afternoon, boss. I want to lead well, these players. Do we know what they've been saying they've to not, the manager behind well, the scenes? Well, maybe not. But I, I've been in sort of open training. And, um, you know, obviously you only get 15 minutes there and it's, you're never going to get any secrets. But they yeah. were coasting. I, I've seen open training under Wenger and they were a lot more engaged, basically, certainly towards the end of the Emery era. But then say more about Emery. Yeah, potentially. For me, it says a lot about David Luiz as well. It's okay him saying that. And I I want players, to be honest, I want to give us, as a journalist, I want them to give good copy. But for him to say, oh, we weren't fit enough, do something about it. Say, look, boss, I want to do an hour's training, stamina work this afternoon, instead of going going and doing whatever in Hampstead and having a cup of tea or something. You know, it's like, work. No cup of tea in Hampstead, to be fair. Your manager is not responsible to your fitness alone. You are responsible (laughs) for your fitness as well. And for David Lewis to say that, I thought that was absolutely scandalous. It made great viewing, and it, it did say a lot about Emery, because they obviously didn't work as hard. But Louis Felice to say that, I'm like... But no, you could say he's me. backed it up, because I can't think of a player who's looked better mm-hmm. under Arteta, in terms of the most improved and solid. Well, Torreira. Torreira, massive. Yeah. I don't know, I'd say also... Two of them, Louise. I think the two of them. Look, re- look good. Look, you know, he does. He has looked really good. Yeah, no, but, but, so he's backed it up a little does, bit. What does it say about Chelsea as well, though? You know, they've got a transfer ban and they let their centre-half go to Arsenal in the summer. Yeah, OK. You know, and and also, that's Lampard's got a lot of faith in Tamori. Yeah, yeah, and there's some great players there. They really are. Really and I feel good. like with these players, we should, you know, it's only like four games, you know, four games, and you know, they need to carry on like this. And already, yeah. of course, like, Mustafi's still... Like, last night, Xhaka, and already, like, the Xhaka kind of... Trendy people, the, the hipsters, project hipsters who I noticed were, have been quiet for quite a long time. They're now back in force. They're like, yeah, he was always this good. Ozil. He's brilliant. Ozil, <laughs> yeah, all of that. I'm like, well, I get, I agree. I mean, this is where I kind of see what you're saying. Like, I agree with you. I mean, those guys, you know, I mean, they can't just blame the previous. Yeah, manage the previous regimes they had to you know how i can see it, it spiraled into something really terrible didn't it under yeah. under emory yeah it was an absolute shambles uh, absolute shambles yeah. and i think we all probably feel i mean i certainly feel now you know they should have got rid of him much sooner if only they got rid of him a couple of weeks earlier yeah. or a month earlier we could have been in the fucking knocking on the top four by now seriously yeah. um so, but all that taken into account i do feel like players are human beings aren't they and i feel like if you're sitting there and, you know, from, by all accounts, Emery's big thing was forcing them to watch, you know, videos and all the dossier stuff, you know, lecturing them endlessly about the opposition. This seems to be one of the main changes. And they're all hinting very strongly, some, even coming out right out and saying, in fact, even Arteta, actually, I think he's referred to this in his interviews, he's not paying that much attention to the opposition. It's yeah. all about getting this team playing how he wants them to play. Just that thing is a big thing, isn't it? If you're a player, like, why are we spending so much time? It went from... No preparation under Wenger to mm. boring, tedious, over, over um, um, preparation under Emery. And now we're in it, I feel like we've come out of both of those yeah, in, in, yeah. into a sensible situation. And I feel if you're a player being constantly lectured to by a rather odd, in- ineloquent 
manager, yeah. I'm talking about Emery here, yeah, yeah. then I kind of think almost fair enough that you're not going to play your best and not going to do... Do you know what I mean? It feels like a thing that you can understand, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what Emery did in that PowerPoint presentation to the Conkeys <laughs> in May 2018. I don't know what he said. I don't know how he came across. I don't know how they gave him the job on the basis of his eloquence and articulacy because there was none that I saw. I was probably in 95% of his press conferences last season. Oh, I must have been exhausted. I used to start, I, I'd obviously write shorthand and I used to write the shorthand and you'd read it back and it'd just be going off into random tangents and cul-de-sacs and dead ends and you're like, I'll just use a dictaphone yeah. in the end because he didn't actually make sense. And if he's not making sense to journalists, how's he going to make sense to players as well? And, and it, what, what, what really got me to get to my main point about Emery, he was lauded about being an organisational guru and a, and, and, and a real eye to detail. There was none of that in his teams. No. I never saw any evidence of him being organised in terms of providing all these dossiers. I think probably he knew know. what he was getting at, but I don't think the players... But, but the players he gave a very long interview to give him back. Balagay, didn't he? Yeah. Did you? Did yeah. You yeah. 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 And yeah. it was very quite nice to see in a way. Refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I feel to... sorry yeah. for him because I think yeah. you know. Yeah, he was. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was a dignified yeah. man. He was a real gentleman. Yeah. Uh, he was just in the, the wrong man at the wrong club yeah. at the wrong time. But but who, you know, who did he say was the only player that didn't come and say goodbye? Was it Torreira? Torreira. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Again, you know, I thought his treatment of Torreira was so infuriating. Yeah. Like that. What possesses? I thought I want to be a fly. You know. Yeah. What possesses someone like an intelligent? You know, he's a he's a fucking. You know, he won a lot of stuff. You know, he's mm. not a complete moron. I know yeah. some people think he was a complete moron, but what possessed him to play Torreira out in, in that out of position yeah. and then yeah. pick Gwendouzi week in, week out over him yeah. when I, we've seen what he's capable of? I used to watch <laughs> things like that happening and I, I just think, well, the truth is I'm just a punter and multi-millionaire football coaches yeah. who've won three UEFA Cups <laughs> know a lot more than me. Yeah. And yeah. But actually looking at what... <laughs> Arteta has done like it's like okay Xhaka can't take the ball on the half turn we won't ask him to do that he's much more comfortable on the left we'll make him drop into the left and it's like yeah these are really what what Arteta's done isn't a stroke of genius it's like Oh, yeah, yeah it's just, just doing the sensible thing that, that we so could all see. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I think that managers, particularly, I think this was true of Wenger a lot as well. I mean, this, in the latter period, I'm just, you know, the, the ego becomes such a thing that they feel almost like I've got to come up with a really amazing, intriguing way of playing these players. You know, the thing that last, what's his name did with Kante last year at Chelsea, you know, which everyone pissed off the whole Saturday, yeah. you know, pissed off the whole support, but, you know, and it, yeah. and it still seemed weird. All the way through. Yeah. I think some managers feel like, for their ego set, they've got to prove themselves by making odd, unpopular, uncommon sense decisions. I feel like Arteta has the, just the smarts and the, and the confidence in himself to go, look, to make the common sense. Like for me, like picking your best players is now happening. Particularly yeah. with the attack. Ozil, Pepe, Lacazette, or Bamiang. That hasn't happened, has it? I, mean, I don't know, I haven't got the stats, but I don't think they played together. Yeah. Ever almost until they did against was against Man U, yeah. and it and he got it working. People, you know, I remember having to endure think pieces from all kinds of hacks and experts and pundits going, "Oh, Lacazette and Aubameyang should never play together. It's never going to work. We're wasting Aubameyang out wide." But he he instantly found a way of making it work with Ozil and with Pepe. Yeah, I had a fucking Twitter another Twitter argument today with <laughs> with with Alan. Um, about um, Pepe, you know, still not convinced, still thinks he's technically, you know, but I, I feel like against Man United, that single game, he was great. Yeah. He's proved already yeah. he is a really good player. Yeah. He may not be massively consistent, he's not be entirely consistent yet. People will take the ball off him because he's constantly dribbling and attacking players, but he's proven he can do it, isn't he? That potentially. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like your point about, you know, the, the best players and the amount they lose the ball because. 
Pepe reminds me of our Shavin and, and yes. to an extent Bergkamp before them in that they play on the edge. So when it's not happening, I think you, you brought yeah. up Sanchez as yeah. well as a similar player. Yeah. When it's not happening, possession is lost. But if you create a team that can carry a player like that who will lose possession but will create a lot, yeah. then it's fine. Yeah. And, you know, I, and we've needed that kind of player. Yeah. All, the big, all the really successful teams have that kind of player, don't they? Essentially yeah. a wide attacker who takes people on. And often fans get really pissed off with those players yeah. because they, you know, they're impatient with them because they're exposed and they do get the ball robbed off them quite a lot. You know, what's his name for City? You know, it happens yeah. all the time. Even Liverpool, even those Liverpool players, those wide, play- those wide attacking players, that p- fans got pissed off with them before they came good and they became the best tracking trio in the world. You have to be patient. I think Pepe's already shown yeah. that with Ozil and Lacazette and Aubameyang, that is an amazing front line. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. If you're, as, a, as a sort of wide player or a straight winger, you're relying on your teammates to give you the ball as well if, you, yeah. if you're in a fractured team and a team that's misfiring and, and disjointed that's going to be difficult in itself coming from another culture another country yeah. settling in there's so many issues that people don't see they just see him play 90 minutes or 60 minutes on a Saturday or whatever and go oh Pepe's terrible Bobby Perez didn't flourish to the spring of his first cool, season yeah. cool. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be anywhere near Bobby Perez but he plays half as well he's doing well it just takes so it takes a longer time than people think to bed in basically and Pepe's in the, in the process of doing yeah, that yeah. Sterling I was thinking of by the way the, yeah. the given, given your enthusiasm <laughs> Now, yes, that Pepe and Abamyang and yes. Lacazette, yes. Ozil and yes. Arteta. Yes, what, what do you now man think? Of the match last night, by the way. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. What do you now think uh, for the rest of the season? Because we're on twenty-seven points, but we are nine points off Chelsea. In four. Do you think it? Do you think it's doable? I do. I do think mm. it's doable. I'm not saying it is going to happen. I think it's absolutely doable. What would you? What would you I'm, take now? Six. Um, take six. I'd be disappointed with six. I think. I You'd think I'd disappointed be disappointed with I think six. So yeah. Right. I mean, just in terms of. I feel, I've said, I said this even when Emery was still there and we were playing absolute shit, that Spurs, us, Man U and Chelsea are all kind of, we were, we've, been, we've been the worst of that bunch, yep. sure, but all, they're all capable of being pretty bad, aren't they, yeah. those teams? Yeah. For, for, in terms of, and I feel like all the, the teams like the Sheffield Uniteds and the, the ones, there's kind of a lot of other teams, smaller clubs that have done really, really well, I feel like, and this, this may be, you know, complacent of me but I feel like they will fall away to some extent so I just feel it's there I mean I think you know I just think it, it, you know it's po- entirely possible and if you look at the, our fixtures actually some, I saw someone tweeted I meant to favour it but I, I forgot someone posted a, 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 a series of results that wouldn't make sense for us to come to be fourth in a, in a few weeks time I'm not saying that's going to happen I mean it could all you know who knows but uh, sixth I think a uh, fifth I'd be alright with I think but sixth would feel I think it's such a concertina league at the moment yeah it's concertina yeah. that's the word um, that a run of results mm. and suddenly we're back in it, which is what happened to Spurs, yeah. effectively. And I think, I think there we've got a little thing that might help us in that, in that we have been the worst of that bunch and our confidence has been the lowest. And I think Pepe is this in microcosm, is that I think Pepe will flourish. As you say, he's come into a new league... I remember about 20 years ago, I did an interview with Burkamp and he said some really interesting things about confidence. He said that when you're not confident, when you're not in the zone, particularly as a forward, everything takes an extra second and everything breaks down. And sometimes I looked at Pepe in those early games mm. and it wasn't the flow, the fluidity wasn't there because he was just taking that extra second and everything breaks down. I think he will flourish. I think the players can now see with Arteta, he will improve us. Yeah. And we have got these results and our confidence is coming back. And I think that confidence 
when that, you look at that run of fixtures, I know what you're talking about. I just think a confident team yeah. gets, you know, it's possible to get a run of seven wins from nine games yeah. and suddenly exactly. we're back yeah. in. Actual, yeah. Yeah, actual yeah. mental strength, yeah. which it's, we haven't yeah. had yeah. Yeah. for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. It seems to be, yeah. Mental strength, confidence, it's not just about... Other, play, other teams might be waiting for players to come back, but mm. I think we've got that little extra thing that we haven't had all season that will come back under yeah. Arteta. I, I completely agree with everything you say there, but just to go back a step, you interview Bergkamp, I need to know more about that. <laughs> what was he like? He was fantastic. If, if you want to talk about football, he will talk about yeah. it all day with you. And there's a picture on my fridge, which is him explaining to me that you pull, a, you pull, you pull your marker, it's like, a, like the clutch. You find a biting point where the marker's like, do I go with him? Or do I let someone else take him if you come that deep? Okay. And, uh, and he said, at that moment, you've got him. And I spent the next 10 years of Sunday League football doing that. <laughs> 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 just, oh, fair play. A very, very dry and very funny man as well. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, legend. Yeah. I, I, I'm also kind of really positive. An interesting, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Bamiang felt like Bamiang was going to leave, probably. Not, not, you know, not in this, in this transfer window, but you'd think at the end of the season. I think now, I think such is the Arteta effect... I, what you're, Josh is looking at me like no, I'm, I'm just mad. about short because there was <laughs> a saying, comment on social media from his was it his brother yeah yeah which mm. was yeah but, so said, but you can't forget as much as Aubameyang looks happy and we're getting yeah. a bit better he is <clears throat> comfortably our best player you know people say we're roughly a mid slightly better than mid table Premier League team with an outstanding striker that potentially could take us a little bit higher 18 months left in his deal it feels a bit like the Sanchez and Ozil situation you've got Lacazette yeah. you've got Aubameyang I don't know. It feels like the club would probably have yeah, to but, accept but one me, of them's going. And you don't know how strong Aubameyang will be on wanting to leave and play Champions League football because they're probably not oh, getting it. Those programme notes last yeah. night, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. he stops short of saying, I'm staying. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. He'd be mad to... I, I feel like it would be weird and, and ludicrous for, for our best player to kind of... to not be interested in other options, you know, right now. He's got to finish where... You know, who can blame him, really? I, you know, I, I said this on, again on Twitter recently. I was like, you, everyone's going, oh, if he wants out, just get rid of him now. I'm like, no. But also, the scared, club are going to have to take a decision. So yeah. if he... If it becomes, he's not going. They're not going to let him run down his contract yeah. if they cannot agree a deal. He's going to have to go for money. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. In the summer. I thought, well, yeah. Not, not now. Least, not not now. now. No, I don't think. Not. It's all going to be about how, if, we, if we get into the Champions League. If we get, I, I posit the. Scenario. Well, you think we are? You think we are? No, I said no. No, I didn't say that. I said we could. We could. So it's entirely possible. Could win the Europa League. Okay, so. We could win Europa League. You know, blah blah blah. We could get if we got in the Champions League and if we go on a run, a fairly decent run, which from, is entirely from here, get, it would be a hell of a run. It, yeah, I know, but it's happened. Got eighteen, what eighteen games to go? Yeah, it's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. Seventeen, so, seventeen. Even, even 17, in the right, even yeah. in the late, so we we do go on good. We, you know, we're capable of going on a good run. I think, particularly now, we, you know. So I think it is feasible. I think it's possible that you know that he could stay. But but the bigger picture is, I think that I trust Arteta to find. Even if Aubameyang left, I would have been devastated. You know, yeah. uh, 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 but I think now he could probably he, he find someone. Martinelli, even for example, I thought was fucking brilliant. Yeah. He's so exciting. Yeah. Again, brilliant when he came on last night. So confident and skillful, yeah. and he's going to score goals. I kind of think, actually, much as we love Aubameyang, I could cope just about with him going because we've got some him. 
you know, in, yeah. re- in reserve. Yeah. yeah. Given yeah. Our, our financial state, I think if you get offered 50 million for a 30, 31 year old, I think you have yeah. to take yeah, it. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. That's the reality. Uh, yeah, completely agree. I mean, the key word last night in his programme notes was he said he was committed to us. The well, you're committed, but you're not signing a deal. You sign that deal in the summer or you leave, basically. Oh, yeah. And, but you'd be it, weird for him to sign it now, though, wouldn't it? It'd be like, why, 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 why not buy into the Arteta sort of effect? It's too early. It's too early. No, yeah. But maybe I'm sort of coming for the view of you should be crawling over broken glass on your hands and play for the Arsenal long, he's 30 years old. The, yeah, the flip side of that is you know he's 30, 31 if we got an offer of 40, 50 million in the summer for a year play even half that potentially yeah. you know then it's down to him whether he wants to sign and, and just talking about sort of players who, who potentially were going to leave six weeks ago you know Jacka was sort yes. of being scouted by I mean, or, or looked at by um, Hertha Berlin they're 13 for the Bundesliga that has just died a death now and that was like practically it, he was practically off wasn't he yeah when, yeah when he, he was, was like, Ill. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave yeah, Arsenal I'm yeah, going to go yeah. and play in mid-table in the Bundesliga Incredible. now it's like things, I want to stay with Arteta things basically. can change we've been through this before so people forget like, I remember when you know for about three or four years in a row like, Theo was going to go yeah, every single yeah. season and there yeah. were certain players you always think are about to go yeah um, so often they don't end up going and it, things change massively and I think the, the mood in the club I think has been lifted so much that nothing is for certain Josh absolutely it was uh, just so positive the atmosphere last night mm. for a what, you know rewind a few months you know for a cup fixtures this season it just, it just hasn't been like that and it was great and it feels as I say, I'm sort of frustrated I'm you know, we, my mates and I discussed, you know, we're going to go to Crystal Palace. Obviously, the tickets came on sale <laughs> at a point where morale was a little bit lower. We're like, no, we'll, we'll leave that one. So now I'm like frustrated. I'm like, oh, we yeah. should be going. Yeah. I want to go again. And I'm like the one sort of, you know, organising, you know, our trips to February and March because it feels also, like you want to be on this bandwagon. Before we finish, before we look at the, the prediction of the next game, I want to ask this question because this is, this is, I kind of alluded to a bit in the first half, but... I, right at the beginning of the season, in, in the we won the window period, because we're excited that we signed Pepe, let's face it, and yeah. Martinelli to yeah. some extent. Yeah. And Louise. Louise. <laughs> I was never excited about And that. the kid who's in, who's going to come next season, all <laughs> yeah, of that. Absolutely. But, but we were, I think it's fair to say, most people, most fans were, were thought we were, yeah. had a re- I felt we had the best squad for years. And mm. then, under the Emery disastrous downward spiral, um, you end up thinking, was I mad for that? And then, you know, going over going, these, these players are terrible, your squad's terrible, you're not good enough, you're on mid-table too. Now I think, like, actually, those of us who thought it was our best squad for ages maybe we were right all along yeah, yeah, and it absolutely. was it's so, because I look at Martinelli on the bench um, I look at the fact that we've got Tierney and Bellerin and Chambers injured imagine yeah. those players in the squad fit yeah. you know and we've got what's his name coming back um, Spanish dude who's on the bench Sabayos, Sabayos, Sabayos. Sabayos. I, yeah. bet, I bet Arteta could get Sabayos to play really well yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. so I feel like actually we weren't going mad at all it was actually the coaching that was driving us mad yeah absolutely I mean, if you remember the Burnley game in August like everyone was raving out Sabayos myself included and it was like we're going to have a great season that terrible 3-1 performance against Liverpool if not the result the week after just completely blew everything away and you know obviously with Wenger going back to Wenger 10 years people argued about whether he was the right man for the job in the space of 6 weeks from that Burnley game to Sheffield United away when we lost 1-0 in the worst possible performance which included 2-2 at Watford as well I didn't know one Arsenal fan who wanted Emery to stay, basically. Mm. You know, he, was, he just wasn't a very good manager. But that doesn't mean the squad's not good enough. And yeah. I completely agree. I think we can have a real charge for the top four. Yeah. And the kids, well, you know, Reece, Reece Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, look Maitland-Niles. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look at the Arsenal-Chelsea game. David Walsh at the Sunday Times, he did a really good piece the other day just talking about how many youngsters were there who were, who were sort of local to London or sort of the catchment area. There was like 11 players between Arsenal and Chelsea mm. yeah. who were young players going to come through. Arsenal had the majority of those. And it, the future is really bright if we've got the right man for the yeah. job. Which yeah. is Arteta, basically, yeah. I think. Yeah. And one more, go on. Just very quickly on the youngsters. Yeah. I think 
Willock is the biggest example of this. I think we've got youngsters where we don't actually know what their best role is mm. yet, and at that point, you want them under really good hands. But yeah. they're so relieved. Well, it's yeah. it's oh, interesting to say that because it's almost like they're so adaptable. These players, yeah. like you know, half of them can play in midfield and defence and wherever. Yeah. That that's become almost a thing to a stick to beat them with by some fans. I want to mention Dermot. I went to. Two, you know, the games over Christmas with Derma, and he was saying he he was very angry about some of the comments on this podcast. People not giving the young players, particularly people, get you know enough time, like expecting them to be miraculous, absolutely miraculously consistent miracle workers, even though they are being played in different positions. Half of them, as you say, will you know sometimes is in a nervous position, sometimes is out wide, etc. I think we have got. We should get behind. I do feel like without wanting to sound like a lame, you know, cliche twat. It's right, isn't it? You can't expect those 18, 19 year olds to yeah. be amazing. And we have, they're actually playing kind of out of their skin already. Yeah. yeah. Elite yeah. Most I of mean, them. look at Maitland Niles. He's had an arm yeah. around his shoulder. Yeah. 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 Literally, at the end yeah. of that, <laughs> the yeah. man you gave. That was a very pet move, wasn't it? To have, to have that big chat with yeah. him that you had. Yeah, yeah. But he was, you know, he had gone from the point where he's giving interviews saying, I don't want to play at fullback, yes. to suddenly being transformed in that role. Because, again, I think he's taken, had a little bit of responsibility taken off him. He's had it clearly explained, this is what I want you to do, and I really believe you can do this. And yeah. something yeah. he believes he can do. Uh, absolutely. That. Going back yeah. to Watford game, I mean, it, people are going, oh, you had a terrible game against Delafoyu and, and Watford in general, basically. But they were doubling up on him every time. He was getting no support down the flank. He, he was hung out to dry, and everyone's going, oh, make the lines are terrible. He's got the right manager with Arteta. He's got a manager, he's got a sort of assistant there in Lundberg who knows the youngsters yeah. as well. The future is so bright now. Is it I'm weird so that Freddie's in, in the standard, not? on the bench or is that is that is as that long as he's around the training yeah, pitch okay. and, and all the rest of it I think that's good enough basically yeah that's interesting <laughs> right we should um, we should wrap up and uh, we've got uh, okay, I, I, I'd on. be surprised if Freddie's there next season. From oh, what, really? From what I Why? understand. Oh, really? Yeah. Just in terms of if someone big comes in and offers a manager's I think, job. I think in he terms will of get, being disgruntled. He wants to be a manager. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I think there will be offers for next season. I think I, it's only from Sweden. Yeah. Right. But it I won't be him leaving offer. because he's not happy to stay there. Right. I love Freddie and everything, but what I would say this, I think the contrast just in, in terms of communication... And, you know, that it's so clear to me from Arteta. You know, because yeah. there's, sim- you know, similar era, ex-Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I much prefer Freddie as a player to Arteta. You know, I made yeah, those, yeah. my feelings clear about Arteta as a player for ages on this podcast. But I, do, I instantly feel like the difference between them is so huge. It's just, it, it, I, I can't un- overestimate how important just communicating yeah, and that intelligence and that eloquence yeah. is anyway. But I hope Freddie stays. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I just, from what I understand, I think I'd be surprised okay. if he's there for next season. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Palace Arsenal, twelve thirty, Saturday the eleventh of January. What's H- HD for you, uh, boys. Oh, super <laughs> HD. It's a, it's a classic Saturday lunchtime. Uh, BT Sport kickoff. Yeah, twelve to one to finish in the top four. I just had a look for you, boy. To for twelve you to one. To, uh, one. That's not bad. If you want to uh, okay. put your supreme budget for, <laughs> for January, and February put, on I'll it. I'll put, I'll put <laughs> a twenty on. with a sizable amount. Of 12 I'll put to a one. jacket on there. Yeah, put a jacket on there. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, what do you think is going to happen in that game against Palace? Uh, normally, Matt. I go to Selhurst Park with great reservations because it's the kind of game we mess up. Yeah. You know, the tight crowd there, good crowd there, get on us, make us shaky. But there's no better time to play Palace than at the moment. I mean, I think, I think Roy Hodgson said yeah, he'll struggle to get 11 yeah. contracted pros out on <laughs> yeah, Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the momentum's with us, this confidence is flowing. Mm. I think we. Uh, is this the bit where we predict actual scores? It is, yes. Yeah, I think we'll go and win 2 0. 2-0, Leith? Well, yeah, I've, I've been in the way end a lot this season for away games, obviously, but um, I'll be in the press box on Saturday. Um, I think Arsenal will win 3-1. I think we'll beat them. 
So you two nil. That's a, that's a third clean sheet in a row. That'll be all right. The first time <laughs> yeah. for about fifty I, years. Well, I mean, yeah. I, uh, the, the the back four mm. is uh, is as good as I've seen it this season. Leno has been our best player all season. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. a shame he made that mistake. Oh, that was no. such yeah, a go. Oh, of all the cruel, players, he's been, yeah. he has been a player this season. He, yeah, uh, until Arteta arrived, he was the only player I trusted. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, 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 what's his name? Did well last night, didn't he? The reserve keeper. He kept, yeah. you know, yeah, he saved yeah, about, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if Leeds have had yeah. a decent striker, they should Yeah, he's got really strong hands as a keeper. You know, you can right. get to the ball, but you can, you've right. got to keep it out. Yeah, he did that really well yesterday. Josh, what's going to be the score? I think we will scrape to two one victory uh, and march to the top four. But yeah. I don't think we're going to get to the top four. I just think nine points from seventeen games left is, is too much to overturn. Oh, it's a lot. I'm, but let me make it quite clear. I'm not predicting we will come in the top four. I'm saying it's possible. Yeah. People think I'm completely. I've completely lost right. it. Great. Have you given your prediction? Oh yeah, three, three one. one. Yeah. Um, I think it might be a very tight one nil. I'm going to go for. Yeah, I think that's well, we've had thing. a couple of clean sheets in the last uh, yeah. month, which it, has been miraculous. a joy, a, yeah. a rarity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely miraculous. Well, it's been a, it's been, it's been lovely, isn't it? To be positive, it is yeah. positive. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I admit the possibility. <laughs> Ultimately, our new manager has three games. <laughs> We're going to win four points. Yeah. We've beaten a championship. <laughs> but it's great to be at the Emirates, where it's just yeah. there's no toxicity anymore. For, not, I mean, anymore. there's always some the away, yeah, yeah. away yeah. Probably they'll yeah. still be seeing probably the most toxicity. Yeah, now that Arsenal fan TV. Anyway, we'll draw a veil for that. Thank you so much to Leif and Matt Mason. And Josh, and we'll be back next when, when, when next week, Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday. Crazy, crazy scenes. Bye. <laughs> this is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.